Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. I'm so inspired to talk about imagination and architecture and self-possession in a new way after stumbling onto Jason Reynolds. He's an author and advocate for young people, and he's a master of language and rethinking how language can make us feel, naming those feelings and then building something revolutionary with that. And he was named the Library of Congress's National Ambassador for Young People's Literature in January of 2020. And so I fell on top of this speech that he gave at a library conference, and I've probably listened to it now over 20 times in the last week. And he's talking about the sacredness of libraries. That's how he starts. And not so much the sacredness of the, of the buildings themselves, but, but the stories they contain, the stories that could be housed in us and moved forward by us. And he doesn't stay in the shallow end of the pool in this speech, but very quickly and rhythmically, you're in the deep end with him. And he talks fast and he's urgent, like he wants you to keep up with him. And he says this, if my body is a temple, like my mama said, then it's possible my body could be a library. Maybe what librarians really are, are architects. And your libraries are warehouses where we build human libraries. Imagine a generation of walking, talking libraries with reference desks here and here. And when he says, here and here, he puts his hand on his heart on the first here, and on the second here, he puts his hand on his head. And he goes on to talk about how we as human bodies can become spaces of safe space and imaginative space and resources where we can just pull out a file we have on sadness and then one on being scared, and then one on joy. And we can trade these internal books, so to speak, with each other to build something entirely new out of our own humanity. And his words, which I let just wash over me all week over and over again, because I kept hearing something new in them. I kept hearing something different float up. And this has started me thinking about taking our education systems and our all of our systems that are already codified or petrified, maybe a better word, and and smashing the walls down. Once I learned about Jason Reynolds, I started digging around and finding things that he said and things that he's been interested in. And in another interview, He said he didn't want to live in a world where young people 
are not irreverent because they are the ones that are turning the systems that are already built. They're turning them over and sort of looking underneath the base of them and asking questions. And these young people are examining the foundations and they're suggesting something new instead of just following and slotting themselves in because the slotting's easy. And I know that because I've done that. I went to get a master's degree in MFA in dance because it was a codified system that was an option. And I was, essentially, I was tired of waiting tables and being a dancer sort of limping along in Chicago. And I wasn't sure what to do next. So I went into a considerable amount of debt for three years of grad school. And, and looking back, I was biding time. And I don't think that I was tethering myself to my real gifts. And frankly, for me, it, it feels like now that that was a mistake. It feels like lost time. But, but I, I take full responsibility for that because, because I think it is up to that person, that individual, not just to point a finger at an institution, but to take responsibility but for me, it was more of an escape and a deconstruction than a building of who I was and who I would later become. The codified systems, especially the ones for artists, are not structured to support most of these humans after the program finishes. And I'm, I'm not saying that there's not good in these systems and good things that I pulled away from that pathway but they can sometimes set up a quicksand situation. By, um, by that I mean artistically and financially, sort of drawing you into a land of no return. And I think that I also became a part of this push and pull as a yoga instructor. I started to offer teacher trainings, and I would create these programs year after year to train teachers, but each year I felt more and more worried that what I was doing and what I was allowing wasn't helpful because I was pumping out all of these yoga teachers out into the world and I knew that there were not enough jobs for them. Even the yoga teacher training, so many of them are not able to house the individual yoga, yoga, yoga's path and nourishment because of all the material that you have to get through just to get people comfortable enough to teach just to talk about the safety and the alignment and the right and the left and the therapeutics just to keep people safe. What happens is the spirit of the yogi herself ends up coming up second because the system's broken. In the last few years, I stopped running teacher trainings and became more and more drawn to building the inner life of practitioners of people who wanted the tools not just, just to check a box and go out and replicate that box, but instead offering something that was, in a way, giving people back to themselves for a lifetime. Giving them back a sense of deep trust and their own relationship with their breath and their strength and their ability to just be in their body. 
Because what we have been taught to crave in our society as a whole is we've been taught to crave a magic bullet. And we want that degree. We want it to count. We want it to be seen as valuable by society and to be something that's already accepted, already codified and stamped as approved. Because going off trail to find the education that you're really seeking is so often considered risky and stupid. And it's really why I never did it. And I I have to say, I really regret that. I regret not trusting myself as an architect more and being curious enough to stay in the in-between space for a little bit more time. Because if I had done that, I wonder if I would have found this path sooner and maybe have a bigger body of work by now. But I try not to spend too much time in regret because I know that house (laughs) well and because it will slowly make a person die, regret, and and all the what-ifs and all those questions. It's not a good place to live. I, in this light, I think about Benjamin. He was such a misfit, and he was off trail for sure. But back then, when he was young, the world was different, and it wasn't celebrated or um, common. If you had the means to go to college, it wasn't celebrated to skip college for a while and go write a book or go straight to the source of what you wanted to learn and cobble it together instead of joining the mainstream. Today, so many people are blazing new trails off on their own, and and it's not as unheard of today as it was then. But it still is something that I think we need to keep fostering and keep thinking about and keep pointing to. And in the spirit of what Jason Reynolds has to say, what if we become the safe space? And the safe place? What if our bodies do? What if we become the institution? What if we become the sacred how-to manual? Instead of thinking it's outside of ourselves. And we started to reference ourselves. And then we lended that reference out to other people. And then they lended themselves out to us. Such a beautiful idea. Such a cohesive idea. So what if we found our intersections and our places of sameness as well as naming the places that rub us raw and places that we can grow? I watch Otis, my five-year-old son, and he's never still. And he's rarely quiet. And I am going to follow him instead of restrain him. I'm grateful that he is not living in a time where a five-year-old is expected to sit at a desk all day and not wiggle. Because Otis is building something with his wiggle. He's building something with his loud. And it's not just irreverent. It's that sometimes, but it's the beginning of something that he's discovering. And, and yes, of course, I, I can get tired of it. I can get very weary of it. But on my best days, I try to see him as building his body, his heart, his library, his language 
for the fullness of what's to come. And I'm not, if I can help it, going to let the world crush that out of him. And Coretta, too, she's, she's loud. That child is loud. And there is a boss in that little body. I was listening to one of my favorites, Joy Harjo, do an interview with Krista Tippett on the podcast On Being. And one of the ways that Joy Harjo describes her father, her biological father, she said he was 10% body, mostly spirit. And even then he wasn't sure what to do with all that spirit. And I just love that. What if we... What if we described people that way? (laughs) Instead of saying, she's nice, she has a beautiful house, he's handsome, they're smart, they're a lawyer, things like that, which feel like really concrete, kind of codified ways of describing people. What if we described each other in ways that are not in the usual system where the walls are already built? So I thought about a couple of my people Matt is soft wood. He is steady, but sometimes life can carve him into something else. So he's like malleable wood. He can be anything the people in the room need, and he's artistically thoughtful, and he watches, he observes, which is part of his ability to hold space. A girl I met last week seems to be, I don't know her very well yet, but she seems to be 80% body, so very present in her descriptions, articulate in her body. But she also seems to have this old ancestral knowledge of why she's here, and she carries both her grandmothers forward in her cooking. When I listen to... Jason Reynolds speak, he's fire, he's transformative, he throws a lot down right away, and he spreads quickly and he lights others in his path. He's an alchemist. I think to to smash the codified walls down, the systems that don't fit us, we have to begin with our language. We have to describe ourselves differently. And you don't have to be young. I think some people think you have to be young. Young people are doing it, maybe maybe in bigger numbers, but so are middle-aged people. Even very old people are doing this work. And I do believe it's never too late to begin today. It's never too late to be self-possessed. It's never too late to see your worth and pursue your interests and your knowledge in an off-beaten, ravenous way. So go get it, go make it, go carve it, go glue it together from all the different materials and don't just accept the template. And I will tell you this, this was advice I got early on, um, I think right after I graduated from, from college, one of my professors told me this, no one, no one is going to want this enough for you to do it for you. You have to want it enough to do it yourself, to go after it. And that was some of the best early advice I ever received. And I don't think it has to look like never choosing higher education or traditional education. Or it doesn't have to look like leaving corporate America or corporate culture 
to become a hippie in the hills that's off the grid. And you can do that, but it's not the only way to create new architecture. For some people, I think there's an opportunity to craft something new within corporate culture, within higher ed, to teach body awareness to a stiff stiff group of lawyers. Um, And maybe you're one of them. Maybe you kind of understand both sides. I have a, I have a dear friend that's probably transitioning into a consulting um, type of situation after working for corporate organizations for years. Um, Kind of like a consulting coaching realm he's, he's walking into. And, and during COVID, he went headfirst into falling in love with making pottery. And he mentioned to me recently that he might incorporate when he's coaching somebody that he might include a piece of handmade pottery at some point during their process. And he was, he said it out loud and then he was like, ah, I don't know. Like you could just tell he pulled back a little. He's like, I don't know. They'd probably think that was really strange. And I was like, no, no, do that. Please do that. Like that's the most interesting starting point. Do that. Because that's like the sacred library. We can exchange very personal things, handcrafted offerings as a way to resemble safe space and empathy. I see you. I feel you. I am with you. And that, that's what I'm saying. Hear me. And when we bring our heart and our body to the table, that kind of ex- exchange is possible. So, so many of the, the corporate spaces and the spaces that we're used to and the spaces that we've been accepting for a long time because we thought we, we had to. Many of them are so money focused and there's not enough good and there's not enough art and there's not enough heart and there's not enough breath and there's not enough pottery. <laughs> what if you crafted something new to change the culture inside of it instead of just running for the hills because some of us are supposed to infiltrate what is already codified and we're supposed to change it and not just avoid it and roll our eyes because I think that there are possibilities to make these concrete spaces malleable and softer and more awake and more aware And we can be on the brink of that because there's so much to do. There's so much to do. And I know that we can't do this kind of creating, this trust in our own ability to rebuild what deserves to be rebuilt. We can't do this without collaboration. So I think if we carve out something new, then we bring people along with us. We bring other people who have been specifically brave and maybe they have something that nobody else has. People that you know, bring them up, find a place for them to work and become themselves because God knows we need more of that. People to be in their specific purpose and in their specific talent pool. I got this text from a Things That Will Help listener last week. 
and she's um, one of my favorite humans. And she said, your podcast is one of the many messages from the universe that I need to leave my job. She said, tell me, do you have any connections that might bring me joy? Anything related to yoga, gardening, meditation, health, or nutrition? And she said, using my Spanish would be a plus. And I loved her text. It was so specific and so clear, such a clear ask. And I loved that she couched it in what would bring her joy. And so that's where we start. There's a corner. There's a place for her. And so she puts it out into the collective space. And it begins, then we begin, just because she said it out loud, to work on it with her and for her. And because she said it out loud, it begins to work in her favor, I believe. And for, for most of us, I would say for all of us even, it's not super simple. And so we have to follow our instinct and our pleasure and our curiosity. And we have to be willing to imagine something that's not already here. Wouldn't that be something? I do believe there is a new language that's waiting for us. There are new materials yet to be discovered and mined. And you are the first one of you, the very first and only of your kind. Do you think of yourself that way? You are the very first one of you and the only of your kind. So why couldn't it begin with you? Complacency is easy, it's well-worn, and it's habitual, and it's where we've settled, and it's where we've stopped. But it's not too late to follow something completely new. Coretta, my 18-month-old, she has really tiny hands, and she will reach out and take your hand. She's a little bossy. She will take your hand and she seems to be driven to walk somewhere with such urgency. And it's usually to like this little tiny, tiny roly poly or some tiny weed or something that she's fascinated by. But something calls her and she grabs your hand. She wants, she wants you to follow her. And so I follow her. And I, I usually drop what I'm doing because what I'm doing is usually maintenance and upkeep and, and often not discovery. So more of this, more of following each other into the woods. There are still, I believe, so many treasures left, as many treasures as there are new births every day. It has not all been said, and it certainly has not all been done. There's a lot to do, so we should get to it. And please follow this man, Jason Reynolds. He's up to something that feels big to me and special, and his information is in the show notes. Thank you to Pinwheel for, for their support in guiding our process and getting this podcast into more ears and for being kind of a special landing place 
for us to understand and deepen our mission and our work. Um, and thank you to each of you for listening to Things That Will Help podcast. This is such a special place for me each week. To know that it's special to you means the world. If you haven't uh, subscribed and rated and reviewed the podcast, please do that. It, it helps. All those little things help. And share. Share with your friends. Um, and if you'd like to become a patron of this podcast, all the information for that is in the show notes. Thank you all so much. Have a beautiful day. Okay. Can they hear you? They can hear me. Can they can hear you too? Do you want to say hi? Yeah. You can say hi. Hi. Okay, buddy. I'll come get you when nap time's over.